This is episode 34 of Bella in Your Business. Hi, this is Sarah Hawkins, and I just want to remind you that my conversation with Bella today is for information purposes only. Even though I'm a lawyer, this is not legal advice, but I hope you stay tuned and enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business. This is Bella Vasta, and I am here today with Sarah Hawkins. She is a private attorney for nearly 20 years, although if you actually saw her picture, you wouldn't think so. She works with startups, entrepreneurs, marketing and advertising agencies, and she helps counsel clients on federal and state marketing, advertising, sweepstake contests, copyright law, trademark, the list goes on and on. Sarah's even worked with clients to create policies and procedures for engaging with agencies, celebrities, and influencers online. She frequently speaks legal topics related to influencer marketing, sweepstakes, and contest promotions, and she's had her own law firm since 1998. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Bella. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, you are definitely qualified to help us out here. As pet sitters, dog walkers, and pet business owners, you know, these pets are just so dang cute that we're either posting pictures of our clients all the time or, you know, grabbing pictures offline to help enhance our content marketing, our blogs, our videos, and things like that. So today, I want to help share with our audience some tips and tricks and things to consider when being so forthright on social media, whether it's through contests or through media or through just building content. So let's talk about photos, Sarah. Where should we not get them from? From a browser search. Don't just type in cute Dalmatian and (laughs) take the first one you see. It's not a problem to use the browser and search for photos. Go to Google and click on photos because often Google will tell you what the rights are if you click on the photo and it'll give you more information. It's not always correct. That's the problem. Uh They're pulling this data from various sources. And if somebody posted that photo and didn't have permission, then, you know, how's Google to know that they really didn't have permission? The checks and balances aren't there, it sounds like. Or God forbid, in in nine months from now, someone says, hey, that's the picture of my Dalmatian. You don't have copyright to that. And you'd be like, well, Google said, and then you can't track it, right? Right. And often that's challenging because people get very upset. You know, it's my dog. It's kind Uh, of like my child, so to speak. Yeah. The bigger downside is all of these professional photographers, because very few people are just taking your average, you know, you and I snap a photo on our smartphone picture. It's the really nice ones. It's the ones with the doggies in the crowns. It's the ones with the doggies dressed up. And those are often by professional photographers who have registered these copyrights in these images, and they will not hesitate to ask you for very large sums of money. Uh, I have a personal story. I learned that the hard way. When I first, first started, Sarah, I did just that. I went to Google, searched a picture, put it on my website, and then about a year and a half later, I got a letter in the mail from Getty Images asking for $1,300. Like, I thought it was a joke. I thought I was being spammed or something. And I learned a very expensive lesson that day. (laughs) Tell me, are photo licenses the same thing as copyright? Or tell me what a photo license is. Photo license is not the same as copyright. A copyright is the legal ownership 
and it discusses what you can do with the photo legally as the owner, the exclusive rights you have. A photo license is something that a copyright holder would give to somebody to use the photo. Perhaps you're taking the photos and your local pet magazine or perhaps a shelter saw it on social media and was like, hey, this is great. We'd love to use, it's a perfect photo for us. We'd love to use it. It could be something as simple as that. And you're saying, oh, that'd be great. Just put my name on it and whatever. And it's just a short license like that. Or it could be, you know, the traditional legal couple page license. You can and can't do this. And you can use it in digital, but you can't use it in print. You know, words like worldwide, perpetual, non-exclusive, those types of things. But it needs to be written in some way. Verbal licenses just turn out to be a bunch of he said, she said. But an email is great, too. You know, hey, can I use your photo? Yeah, that'd be great. Just put my name on it. Yeah. Yeah. Link to me. Uh That's perfect. So a copyright holder gives someone the rights or the license to use the photo. And those licenses come in many different forms. I think the easiest layman's term example is you have a motorcycle license, you have a truck license, you have a car license, you have a learner's permit, you know, they're all different kind of classes. And it sounds like that with pictures. It is. And we give them all the time, you know, for social media, we grant For instance, Instagram and Twitter, we grant them a license to use our photos because that's what they need to show them to the world. Uh Uh-huh. So that's an interesting point. Are you saying that just by posting on Facebook or Instagram, we're giving them the rights to use our photos? We're giving them the rights that they specifically say that we give them in their terms of service, Uh which is really important. These are very broad licenses. So we just have to understand that they may show up in different places or how people use them. That allows other people to use our photos in certain ways. What sort of advice or things to think about would you tell a pet sitter who has taken so many pictures of pets in people's homes and then wants to go post them on their Facebook and show off, hey, this is the dog that we're walking today or even video. I mean, video is just exploding now. Right. What kind of things would you have people consider if that's what they're doing or they want to do? The first thing would be the privacy issue. If you are in somebody's home, there's an expectation of privacy in your home. Uh And especially if somebody's hired you to come into their home, this relationship between in-home service provider and the homeowner is a very delicate relationship. And we've got just the privacy issues of you're in somebody's home sharing their home. You're also letting them know that the owner's not home, identifying the dog. And if perhaps it's one that's more rare or super cute, or you just never know what people find in something to do wrong, but you identify their location. The privacy issue is the main one. And then I think for some people, as a former pet owner, I owned a Jack Russell for 18 years. I had her before I had a child. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do call them fur babies yeah, because they really are our children in some respect, even when we do have you know human children. Yes. And some people are just very, very protective of the exploitation, so to speak, of their pet. So should we have a conversation with our clients? Should we put it in our terms of agreement should we make it like a whole separate like we can do video we can do picture we can post it here we can post it there or is it legal to put in our service contract like a social media or a picture clause like you agree to allow us to take pictures of your pet and use them for marketing or social media so long as 
The pet takes up 75% of the picture. Can a pet sitting company make a blanket statement like that in their service contract? Absolutely. And I think that you would need on something like that, it should be to take the extra step and not just bury it in the agreement, but to require a specific initial on that so that you know that you've discussed it. So really a lot of almost everything that you said is what people should do. Have it written down, be as specific as possible, have a conversation so people know specifically what you're going to do and not do with it. Because we all have kind of differing views on what is and isn't okay. Because perhaps, you know, if it's an elderly pet or it's a pet who has some type of a disability, it's kind of cute for somebody in one person's perspective to have like the pirate dachshund and because they had an eye issue, but perhaps the owner is somewhat sensitive to that. Right. And so spell it out in writing, talk to your client about it, have them specifically sign off on it, be specific as to what you're going to do with it. These aren't going to become stock photos and what have you. That's a really good point. So it's kind of like be specific about the license that you're essentially asking them to give you for taking pictures of the pets, I would suppose. Exactly. And that's a really good point. The whole, it will not be used for stock photos for resale. It's just for our company. And I'm kind of thinking, I I know my listeners right now are thinking, but Bella, we have online scheduling systems and, you know, we just have people click here to agree to our entire service contract. Do I really have to like print out a piece of paper and have a conversation every time I want to take a picture. And I think, and Sarah, I'd like to know your opinion on this. I think it might be what Sarah would be saying, and you can adapt this to your online profile stuff, is just a click yes or no, I authorize pictures of my pets to be taken as long as the pet is 75% worth of the picture. And maybe it's only to be posted after they come back home and that it won't be used for stock resale and like those kind of factors. What do you think about that? Is that what you're saying or no? Oh, absolutely. And there are ways to have certain things pop up or have a separate window open where they actually have to scroll through. It's not just to click the box, whether they read it or not, that you don't right. know that they read it. In you know many of these platforms, you can require initials at certain spots and highlight this information. You know, have it on your website. It is marketing. So talk about it in a marketing sense. I mean, you're not doing anything nefarious. Mm-hmm. It's like we love to show off the pets that we work with. And we would hope that you would agree to allow us to photograph your beautiful dog or cat or bird and or whatever share it, it is. with the world. <laughs> and share it with the world. Yeah. And let them know versus it just kind of being, oh, well, yeah, it's just something else. Because it is, it's a very, very important part of it because people get very tied to these images and seeing the images of their dog with their house in the background or their car or something in their home. I love that. Yeah, and dogs have their little lubbies and you can start identifying these children, you know, the pet (laughs) children, more and more. For sure. Sarah, this is all super good information that really takes this conversation a level deeper than what we typically have online in our group. So I'm really excited. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to actually talk about your website privacy policies and also a little bit more about who actually regulates this stuff and who can get you in trouble. (laughs) We'll be right back. Want to get yourself or your staff pet first aid CPR certified, but don't know how? Gone are the days of having to take off a day of work just to go sit in a classroom. Take it online. Pro Pet Hero is a veterinarian trained program given in modules that test your knowledge of the material 
at the end of each section. Pro Pet Hero can even give you a certificate to show all your clients and post it on your website. Imagine future clients being drawn to you because of your extensive knowledge. Sign up today, www.jumpconsulting.net forward slash CPR. That's jumpconsulting.net forward slash CPR. Use coupon code CPR-PETSITTER for 10% off. And thank you for joining us again. Today we have Sarah Hawkins, who is an awesome attorney of 20 years. And we're having a great chat about all this like copyright and pictures and license and stuff. So Sarah, we just kind of got done talking about pictures, sharing on social media. Let's transition a little bit into our website. The more and more that, you know, the internet just keeps exploding and more and more people are doing more and more things. We start seeing things like privacy policies on the websites or terms of use of the website or some legal stuff on all websites. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Educate us on what that is about and what we kind of need to think about having on our websites? Absolutely, Bella. This is a really important issue with me because what happens is people just cut and paste somebody else's terms of service and privacy policy and they don't read it and don't understand it. And they can have very far reaching implications because If there is some type of a security breach and you've said in your terms of service or in your privacy policy that you're going to do something and you in fact don't, you've opened yourself up to liability, mainly because of ignorance. It'd probably be better not to have a policy than to say you're going to do something and not do something. Because these are legal agreements. Mm -hmm. And if you're taking payments, you want to address how those payments and how that information is handled. If you're using a third-party provider, perhaps it's just something as simple as I'm using PayPal or I'm using Swipe and incorporate you know, the security and the privacy that that platform offers. But when it comes to terms of use, it's your relationship with your user. So if people can post things, you need to have a policy about user-generated content and what you can and cannot take down. Just like in the contract of how people pay you and, you know, when you can terminate a client, various things like that. This is the relationship of people using your website. And a lot of it is kind of stock legal language, but you need to know what it is because you're telling people that you're using cookies and beacons. And if you're not, then you're in breach of your agreement. If you aren't using those and you say that you are, It's probably not that much of a problem, but if you're using tracking, but you're not telling people you're tracking them, that's a bigger problem. Uh Uh-huh. That's really interesting because I was just thinking, I was like, but, you know, most of us, they're petting dog walking companies. You know, it's just basically like who we are, what services we have, here's how to schedule with us. And then the scheduling is usually a third party software that, you know, they actually leave your website to go to. They don't, sometimes they don't realize they're leaving it, but the cookies aspect, the tracking aspect that you just brought up is very interesting because I do know that a lot of people that have websites, you know, they do, they track their SEO, they track the page clicks, they track, you know, how many pages are you consuming? How long are you on my website for? What keywords did you come from? What part of the country or area, you know, demographics, you know, we all have these analytics. Exactly. That hopefully we're using. So that's a really good point. Something that I know a lot of us haven't really thought about. Okay. So there's all these shoulds. 
But who's really going to come after us? Who is the governing agency? Or like, can you draw upon an example of when someone got in trouble for any of this? Or I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this, but or give us an example if you don't have an actual situation. Who regulates this? You know, there's some state government issues. There's some most of it's federal government and most of it's privacy. Even if it's wrong, you know, the government has better things to do than come after you know, <laughs> Bella and her pet sitting service. But anytime that you're gathering data about an individual user, especially if you're gathering data about payment information and there's a privacy breach, we've all seen, you know, larger businesses have privacy breaches and kind of the downside from there. All it would take is one of your clients having a privacy breach and then tracking it to your site. Mm -hmm. Even if it's through a third party, if you don't have the precautions in place, then they can sue you. And if you don't have an arbitration clause, then perhaps you're going to end up in federal court or state court since they're most likely local to you. But, and I know we're probably going to talk about this shortly. You know, we've briefly touched on it. You just click on the agree, agree, agree stuff. And if you have terms in there, that are not very clear. We have what are called click wrap agreements and browse wrap agreements. And there have been cases, very protracted and very expensive cases, where somebody goes to sue and they want to sue you in court, but you have an arbitration clause. And so you're trying to get it out of court and get it into arbitration. But first, we're going to look at your terms of service. We're going to look at your privacy policy. We're going to look at this agreement. We're going to look at the process that somebody goes through to determine if it's legal for them to be tied to this one particular clause. And it gets down to be so nitty gritty and you can't be paralyzed. So please let me let your audience know, Bella, that you cannot be paralyzed by something like this. You just have to know what it is and start using best practices and don't bury information, put it out there. If you don't know the legalese, then just put it in plain English of what you're doing. Because the federal government, if they're coming after you, most likely it's going to be regulatory. You'll get a discussion. You might have to hire an attorney to you know, handle that. But it's not going to be as expensive as if somebody sues you. Right. That's interesting. I mean, I guess the bottom line is get some legal counsel and make sure that you're covering your bases and minimizing your ability to get in hot water. In layman's terms. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> you know, some of these services, I know you can easily put up a website, you know, in, they say, 24 hours. I've seen the ads on TV. I've seen them yeah. online where you can easily go through. And, you know, sometimes there's industry-related services where, you know, they'll brand it all for you and you just upload a couple pictures and, bam, in two hours, you're done. Right. But read what you're agreeing to. Read, you know, if there's something on your site that says terms of service, if there's something on your site where people click to say privacy policy, but you didn't create it because you're using a third party, read it. Yeah. And if you don't understand it, have somebody explain it to you. And if there's stuff in there that you don't think is right, then fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let it go. So tell me more about the click here to agree, because like I was saying earlier, most of us have our service agreement in our third party software system that you register with us, you know, and at the end it's scroll down, click here to agree to our services and conditions. Sometimes they're also posted on the website. Sometimes they're not. I mean, it just depends on the company. How valid is that? Talk to me more about that. Click here to agree. And is it legal? Does it take the place of 
signing something. What do we need to know about all that? They are legal agreements. Absolutely. And we all do it. You know, if you have a smartphone, you've done it. If you use any type of social media, you've clicked it, you've never read it. And you're just like, eh, whatever. But these types of agreements where they're contractual, not just for the website usage, but for people to pay you and for you to gain access to their house and all these other things, you can't just start burying a lot of things because if you know that people aren't reading them, if you're through your tracking and what have you, you can tell that people aren't reading them. You set yourself up for potential issues and potential liability. So there are two types. There's click wrap agreements and browse wrap agreements, neither of which some courts care about. It's not highly litigated and the cases that have been litigated often have settled or have been pushed around the court system for so long. What we do know is that in most courts, they're not very inclined to hold the customer to agreements that they don't really have access to. So if you just have a little box that says, I agree to the terms of service, and they click that, and then there's a hyperlink to the terms of service that it may or may not work, chances are if there were a problem and a client were to sue, they would likely not be held to that agreement Mm -hmm. because you would have had to prove that they were able to access it at the time of agreement. Tell me about this. So here's how I used to, I've since sold my pet sitting company, but the way that I did it, and I'm curious to know your thoughts here. So we had the click here to agree with a really long service page. I mean, it was like probably two pages of a word doc. Mm -hmm. And then when people got invoices, We had what the cancellation policy, which is from the service agreement, tacked on to the bottom of the invoice. So it was like a reminder. Mm -hmm. On our website, we had a page that said policies, and we only put five or six of the top most violated policies. So that would be like, again, cancellation. I called trespassers, which is if someone else is also caring for your pet while we are. Mm -hmm. I put on there uh, keys, how consultation fee goes. You know, those were like the major ones. And then I also did on that policies page, put click here to see the entire agreement so that they could see it. So my thought process was that it was for cancellation alone, people actually saw it five different times or had the opportunity to. So it wasn't just a click here to agree and that's it. Is that kind of more of what you're talking about so that you're allowing opportunities for them to really see it other than just that browser click here? Okay, I'm not reading it, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The more opportunity and the fact that it's static. So you can have it on a page and you can, you know, have the PDF right there. So if somebody is like, oh, what is it? But make sure it's dated so that Mm -hmm. it would be, you know, this is a contract that's effective as of January 1st, 2017. So somebody would know perhaps that is not the same one that I have. And now it's so easy to provide these additional viewing opportunities for people. There are more and more services that will give you the pop-up, but people have pop-up blockers. So make sure that the service tells them Mm -hmm. you need to make this available and to have it just straight out there. Because honestly, you're a legit business. You're not hiding anything. So there's no reason to bury any of this stuff. It's protection for you. It's protection for your client what your rights are, what their rights are, obligations, those types of things. 
And there really isn't anything to hide. And if you do have something to hide, then perhaps there are other issues that Uh you need to discuss. (laughs) Right, of course. So in closing, I'm sure people's minds are spinning now. So I kind of want to give another tip that I like to use. Have you heard of the website, Sarah, called depositphotos.com? I have not. Okay. It's a stock photo website and you could pick from so many. And I have this account where... I also have this link code that they let me give out. I just purchased $100 at a time. Each photo is a dollar. But what I love about it is that we were talking about licenses at the beginning. And okay, that's great if you get a license for it. But then you also have the additional burden of storing the license and matching it to the picture and reminding how to get it. And with deposit photos, it kind of stores all of my licenses under my account in one place. So if God forbid Getty Images were to come to me and say, where did you get this picture of this Dalmatian? And I know that I get all my images from this one source. Everything's in one place already for me and I can just recall it. You know what I mean? And they also tell you what those different licenses are for and what you can and can't use them for. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really cool way when you're a busy business owner and you don't need something else to keep track of. I highly recommend it. And in the show notes, I'm going to provide the link to it too so that you can get it. Like I said, I buy like $100 at a time. So I just have this credit that I work off of. And then when I need to buy more, I buy more. So that's also avoids having to do a transaction each time. Or I have to, there's some other websites that you can buy credits and then you each photo size that you have to do all these transactions and calculations in your head. And it's just like, ah, but pictures are the way of the world, everyone and videos. And we are becoming so much more visual and less contextual, I would say. But the moral of the story here is don't forget about the legal contextual obligations that you have as a business owner. Sarah, is there any final words that you have or thoughts? And can you also tell everyone how they might be able to reach you if they have any additional questions. Absolutely, Bella. I think I just want to wrap it up just like what you're talking about with the photos and the licenses. Make sure you get the right license. Don't take one that's for personal use only because you're a business. Get the commercial license. It's probably a little bit more, but make sure you have the license for your business Yeah. because that's really important because if you're not using the right license, it doesn't matter that you paid for it. Correct. You're using it for the wrong purpose. Best way to reach me, my website is my name, Sarah F. Hawkins, S-A-R-A-F as in Frank Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S dot com. And I'm on Twitter at Sarah F. Hawkins. Great way to just see what I have written and connect with me there. Awesome. I love that you're the seasoned professional. I've been doing this for so long and you live in the space that we exist and survive in. So you really truly are such an asset to us. And I hope that maybe one day if any of our listeners have another topic or something that we might be able to call on you again. Thank you so much for your time. Everyone, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. If you do that, you will get the updates straight to your device as they come out every Thursday. This is another episode of Bella in Your Business with Bella Vasta. Always remember to keep jumping. Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.